and welcome to the Church Leaders Roundtable podcast. My name is Sarah, and this week we're going to dive in a little deeper on our topic of gender and the church, and we're going to get a little deeper talking about, sorry, um, we're going to get a little bit deeper talking, identifying toxic, fem- tox- oh my God, sorry guys, <laughs> this is a mouthful. And today we're going to get a little deeper. So here I'm with my lovely co-host, Kevin. Howdy, howdy. Stacey. Hey. And Darren. Hey, yo. So, so Sarah, what could you, could you like help me understand here? Cause we see it. I see it thrown around a lot on, uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, basically wherever people are that don't understand terms. Um, People talking about feminism and femininity like they are two opposite ends of the spectrum like you can't be feminine and be a feminist or like every feminist hates men and things just get very convoluted and so can you can y'all help clear that up for me personally yeah so i i think that you know it does get very confusing and i think a lot of people tend to myself at one point included um, had a very negative uh, outlook on the term feminism. It's a lot of times um, looked at as if it's just a negative, you know, man-hating um, type of type of you know movement. And really, I mean, you look back at the the history of the different feminist movements. It is fighting for rights, fighting for equality. Um, women voices just wanting to be heard and wanting the same rights as men um, across the board. And so that, I mean, I feel that's like kind of the foundation. I mean, we can get into some of the more nuances of feminism, but at the core, it's not hating men or anything. It really doesn't have anything to do with men. It's more women just you know, if you look at, I mean, it's women his, Women's History Month um, this month as we're recording. And so if you look at all of the, you know, women that came before us that were fighting for, you know, our right to vote when we weren't able to vote, um, the right to work, um, access to like birth control and healthcare and just different things that um, women didn't have access to or didn't have rights to. And so we continue to fight this, the fight for equality, the fight for um, women to just be seen for us to be able to have our have our own voice and make our own choices without the need of, you know, a man or I, I can't even say husband because not everybody wants a husband. So. Amen to that part. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think one of the parts that that people often miss or at least misunderstand about feminism is that it it is for everyone you know, it's not simply about women as much as it is saying we're all equal. And that's why things like I don't have to identify as a male feminist because a feminist is just someone who believes in equality, not I'm a woman who believes in equality. It's just like, no, it's like I just believe in equality. That's that's all that there is to it. Mm-hmm. I know personally for me, feminist was a almost like a bad word. It wasn't. It wasn't quite as bad as saying fuck, um, but it was definitely worse than saying sex when, you know, when you're a third grader, like you didn't want to be labeled a feminist and you didn't want to, to associate with with feminism. 
Uh, at least not, you know, I grew up in a conservative Christian household. I went to conservative churches. That's That was my whole world. Um, so it's not till really actually in the last, I'm going to say five or six years that I really actually started understanding what Darren's talking about, that feminism is for everyone. And Sarah, like you said, that feminism isn't about taking away rights from men or from anybody else. It's just about um, having equal rights. You know, like you mentioned voting, when women got the right to vote, it's not that men lost the right to vote or that, uh, or that, you know, some other subsect of the population lost the right to vote. It's just that now women also had the right to vote. And I think that's a, for me, as somebody who grew up in a, a almost toxic masculinity culture, that was helpful. Putting it in those terms was helpful for me to understand growing up and, and kind of coming into my own feminist self, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think like for myself, the background that I grew up in was, you know, the very strict conservative fundamental. And so like, if you wore jeans to church, you were feminist, you know, cause that was liberal and, you know, anything liberal was feminist, you know, or whatever. And so, but I have this streak within me that's like rebel like, even though I was still always like a good girl, good Christian girl, I was still the rebel. And I was always the questioner, the push, the person who pushed my parents, like, I was like, why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? And so like, I was always questioning, well, why do I have to wear a dress to church? Like that sort of thing. And so, and I was always like the more independent person and there's reasons for that but I think it's also inherent part of my personality of being independent um as far as like you know we were taught to expect men or boys to open the door for us and um you know hold hold our chairs out for us when we sit down and that sort of thing and the guys were supposed to stand up when I'd get up from the table or whatever and I was like I've always thought, what a freaking ridiculous thing that is. And it just, even that to me, like my thinking about that, everybody always labeled, what? Like that's feminism. Can't, you know, women just want to do everything for themselves. And I'm like, well, yeah, (laughs) we do. (laughs) It's okay. We, We can do these things on our own. I don't need a man to take a hammer to the wall to put a nail in the wall. I don't, you know, there's, it's not required. Yeah. Women are, can do just the same exact same things that men can do. And, and now like even taking that a step further um, when we have the, the gender discussion, you know, that whole feminist thing includes our trans sisters you know and i think they often get left out of that discussion in feminism because there's a lot of turfs in the world and you know 
they don't see our trans sisters as women, as sisters. And there's, you know. And can you unpack TERFs for us? (sighs) TERF is basically a so-called feminist who does not think and not consider um, trans women as women. So for... That's basically, yeah. Yeah, uh, the exact... uh, definition of the term it's an acronym and it stands for trans exclusionary radical feminist so that's for me that's a pretty loaded um term as well but it's very aptly used in a lot of different settings um I think I think some people even take it almost as a almost as a slur they're like oh whoa you you like you cussed me out and and calling me that and I think with good reason because like it's not a good thing if somebody calls you a turf that's not a good thing they are insulting you i think to to a certain degree somebody stop me if i'm wrong um but like it 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 is a loaded term and it should be i think yeah i you, you could even say you know there's there's a thing about shade and reading where you're like i'm not insulting you i'm describing you and the 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 exclu- the trans exclusionary part is an accurate description. It's just that a lot of times when people are you know when you're naming people's behavior, it comes off as oh you're trying to you're trying to to label me something. It's like well no this is these are your stated beliefs. Right. You've made it very clear that you don't believe trans women are women, that you don't believe trans women should have the same rights. Like you don't put yourself out there to protect trans women. And we do get into some of the uh, sticky situations of, for example, um, the, oh gosh, the author of Harry Potter Mm -hmm. um, being a very visible woman who has done very, what we sometimes refer to as turfy things, um, where the ways that she's talked about trans women has echoed the anti-trans rhetoric but she says but my friends are trans right you know it's just like but my friends are black or you know um those kind of reactions where you're like yeah you're you're aligning yourself with these groups um that on the surface you look really inclusive and really really progressive but when it comes down you know when, when it comes down to the wire we see behaviors that say, no, you really aren't fighting for everyone to be equal and safe and cared for, but you are doing a kind of supremacy of assigned female at birth mm-hmm. um, folks. And that uh, that's a, if nothing else is disheartening to me, um, but, uh, but I digress. Yeah. So, go ahead. I I was just going to say it's that, like, you know, it it almost feels like it's, like, taking a step back, you know? Like, we're trying to make so much progress, and then to get to that point where you're denying and dismissing, like, trans women, like, that, that to me just feels like it's counter to everything that people would that feminists stand for that that the whole the whole point I mean that's that's just my perspective like if you can't include everybody 
if you're not fighting for, I mean, I think if you're not fighting for the equal rights of everyone, then like, how can we stand as, well, I'm a feminist and I, you know, want to fight for this. It's like that. I only want to fight for this, but not for that. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I just, it's, I, when you said disheartening, that, that really resonated with me. Cause I think it's just, it really is disheartening to be that includes ex- exclusive mm-hmm. of, other, of others. And that that's that's what's was rife in the history of feminism in that uh, the earliest some of the earliest fights for feminism, specifically women's suffrage, wasn't for women's suffrage for all women. It was women's suffrage for white women, um, even though it was completely inclusive of the labor energy and 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 ideas of black women. and it, it, it gave birth to uh, like Sojourner Truth mm-hmm. saying, ain't I a woman? You know, there's this this very well-known uh, speech that she gave where, you know, she was speaking to to, to feminists and saying, did I stop being a woman when I when you noticed I was black? Did, did my rights suddenly go away because I was black? Yeah. Um, and so you get the different waves of feminism mm-hmm. um, and something that I'm actually... Uh, new to I've heard it for quite some time but I'm I'm working on integrating it to my to my view is womanism um, which is uh, essentially it's uh, it's feminism um, that comes from uh, or that centers or that that includes uh, black women and women of color um, and that was that was a uh, founded or that was coined by Alice Walker, uh, the woman who wrote uh, The Color Purple. Um, And it was another response to the ways that whiteness has been centered in feminism. So, um, so yeah, there's so much ongoing work to do in what it looks like to actually be equal, what it looks like to actually be inclusive. um, And us figuring this out is a lot. Yeah. For sure. And sometimes it, it feels like exhausting, like that one foot forward, few steps back. Um, especially when you get to like talking about the church and how, you know, feminism is viewed or anything, you know, I, I think that's where it crosses like stereotypes and expectations. And if you are feminist, you're automatically this, you know, leftist liberal that, you know, is anything but Christian. And and that's where it really gets interesting because you're countering, like, I think we talked about in some previous episodes, but the stereotypes that how you're expected to be as a woman Mm -hmm. and the rights that you have, even to, you know, whether you're allowed to be on a pulpit or not. And it just, it really, in some ways, I find like in 2021, like when we're experiencing different aspects of the church of like, have we just really taken many steps back? Right. Well, I think to that end, it's not that the church at least has taken a lot of steps back as much as it never took those steps forward. Mm-hmm. Um that's true. And I think that's yeah, that's I think that's something that we don't talk about enough mm-hmm. uh, in the church world or frankly, in the business world even, um, that it's not that we've lost ground on a lot of these issues due to culture and the pushback of the church or whatever. It's just that ground was never gained to begin with. Mm-hmm. 
like I was taught, I was reading about Lottie Moon this week in one of my classes. And if you don't know who she was, uh, she was a Southern Baptist missionary. And she knew from a very early age that she was being called to preach Christ to the nations. And so what she did was she raised her own money. She moved to China. This was in the 1800s. She moved to China. She learned the language. She learned the culture. She like, she, she built a home in China and just started evangelizing is what she did. Like she, she did life with these people. Um, and she started evangelizing. And what the Southern Baptist Convention wanted to do was just kind of push her to the side. And they were very glad for, for a missionary in China. They were very glad that she had the opportunity to be there. But they wanted to just push her to the side. And when she came back to the States, they would invite her to preach and just speak at women's gatherings specifically. And they invited her to... Uh, speak at missionary, like, like, uh, fundraising events, but there was never an invitation for her to just preach. Mm-hmm. The story that, and I'll, I'll stop there. I'll pause there for a second. Lottie Moon, now, uh, as she's known in the Southern Baptist Convention, is through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. So every Christmas, every single Southern Baptist church raises, just raises money for uh, the International Missions Board, which is the Southern Baptist Board that sends out missionaries all over the world. So they do the Lottie Moon Christmas offering because this woman was a, an exemplary uh, uh, person who, who taught us what true missions are. And we're going to raise these funds in her name during Christmas and send it to the IMB. And like that's all I heard growing up. So up to this point, Everything I've said is what I heard, what I was taught growing up. The new part that I learned this week was that she then challenged the Southern Baptist denomination saying, why won't you let me preach? You think I'm good enough to preach to Chinese people, but I'm not good enough for your men. Mm. I'm good enough for those people over there, but I'm not good enough for our people here. So you're literally, you're, you're just, you're telling me that I'm better than them because I'm a white woman, but I'm not as good as you because I'm a woman. Um, and she challenged like they, not to the point of excommunication, but they just stopped inviting her to stuff because she challenged this. Um, when people would ask her, would ask why she was the one uh, on mission in China, so to speak, she would dare men like just to their faces in front of so many people saying, uh, well, if any of you want to come take over my post, I will gladly give it up. If you, if you believe so, so much that a man should be preaching, then come over here. I'll give it up. I'll move down the road a little, a little bit. I'll set up another post and then somebody else can come and take that one over. And I'll just keep doing that. And nobody ever took her up on that offer. And they don't teach that. Like literally this week in an unrelated class, like as part of the intro to a book is where I learned that part of the story. And so now here we are 120, 130 years later, still having the same fight of, so women are good enough to go to Africa or to Asia or to 
uh, the Middle East or literally anywhere else in the world to preach the gospel there. But we're not going to affirm their identity in Christ. We're not going to affirm the image of God within them to preach here and to lead here in the United States. Um, which is why I say it's not that we've gone a few steps back. It's that we never went those steps forward to begin with. No, that's good. That that definitely, <laughs> that makes so much sense. And it's, yeah, it's, um, disheartening is like, I feel like it's still just like a really strong word that I feel with some of it, but I, you know, I also look around and I do see that there has been like so much impact. Like I don't, I don't, sometimes I can like easily just stay stuck in like the, like, why is it 2021 and we're still dealing with these issues. And, but then like, I, I forget to look back on like how many women came before me that fought and made impact so that I can be where I am today. Like Mm -hmm. to dismiss like the ancestry and like all that history just because there's still so much work to be done. Um, it's just, it's, it puts things in perspective. So I don't, you know, I can get in that negative of like, (laughs) (laughs) just feeling like, you know, there's still so much work to do and it's really, really overwhelming, but yeah, like we have like come a long way. And I do, you know, I, I mean, I can speak personally, just not ever seeing like a healthy relationship between a man and a woman and having these very strong, um, I think expectations as to what a woman is supposed to be in marriage and, um, to having different witnesses, to seeing different avenues, to seeing, um, even in the Facebook group, so many men that are standing up, that are speaking out against toxic masculinity and things that aren't right and standing up for women issues. And it's just, it's so empowering for me to see that, that it feels like, it's it's not just like women speaking out these things. Like we have like the teamwork and and the allies of of like all different types of people um, that are like you said, Darren. That this is just this is an issue for everybody. Yeah, I I you know for me, I, it just takes me back to my childhood, and I, I every chance I get, I reference my mom. Shout out to Shay, um, <laughs> and how uh, she. She was she was the first activist I knew. She was the she was the she taught me feminism before I knew what feminism was, um, and it's so interesting because because again like we have our caricatures of what we expect uh, feminists to be, but she is she is a she is a she is a lady. She's she's a woman. She she doesn't wear pants. She, <laughs> um, you know she uh, uh, she doesn't believe in having her shoulders out. You know stuff like that. But, um, but, and and she, she taught me some of the customs of, of chivalry. Like I do open doors or or things like that. If it's, if it's appropriate and welcome. Um, but in the same breath, uh, she was the first one to say, why do, why, why, why should I have an honorific of misses when men don't have honorifics that are based on their marital status? Mm -hmm. And as a kid, I just thought it was so extra and it would be years before I go, why, why is that? Who, who picked mm-hmm. that? And, and what does that mean in our world? But it basically means that women 
are honored based on their marital status. And that's a thing you need to know before you've even seen their first name. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, for us to for us to just think about how liberating it is. Uh, and I think I've, I've mentioned this before, like to be a woman is to, to, you can have all kinds of expressions if that is to do traditional um, attire and garments and, and modesty that is something that feels empowering to you. Mm-hmm. Or if that's to do the, do maybe what some might consider the opposite and do a, a slut walk um, and, and say, listen, I, I don't deserve to be raped even if I'm walking down the street naked. Like all of this is still about empowerment right. of yeah. a whole group of people who've been told often by men that they can't be or that they shouldn't be and so forth. Um, but that's, I mean, there's another piece of that, right? Like what, what has the role of women been? in how we perpetuate certain traditions right. and expectations on women. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that comes to like the traditional biblical role of women. And I don't, I don't know if it's just a biblical role of women, but just the traditional that's been passed down for, you know, dec not decades, but <laughs> beyond decades, you know, decades and decades and decades and decades, <laughs> and decades right? <laughs> centuries how about that thousands of years and i think a lot of it stems from the whole patriarchal world that has been created um because if you look in the bible or and not just the bible but other like um religious documents even women are not really like lifted up all that much other than like mary um you know and she obviously was sinless and you know mother of the most high so you know she couldn't have done anything wrong and she was the traditional, except for the fact that Joseph had apparently had reason to question why she was pregnant, <laughs> which is a whole nother story. So, Christmas story. <laughs> yes. But I guess what I'm trying to get to is that I feel like we, if you look at the history of like where we came from and where we're at now we really haven't come that far until the 20th century really like we were pretty stuck in a very patriarchal society for a good you know 2000 plus years probably decades at least yes decades (laughs) so up until probably the late 1800s, I think, you know, women just at that point started finding our voice and are being like, we're not standing up for this. And we, in the 60s, we threw away our bras. And, you know, at that point, we started feeling some liberation in, you know, the civil rights movement came along kind of, you know, right at that same time with the Vietnam War and everybody's rebelling against that. And so you have like this uprising essentially 
in this time period of the 50s and 60s and 70s where I think a lot of women found their voice and are demanding to be heard finally and not standing up for this toxic shit that men have lorded over us for all these years and basically have told us this is how you have to live and and so for so long I think in being the good Christian wife or the good Christian woman we've just submitted ourselves because it calls us to submit to our husbands and so we've done this and because we want to be the good Christian wife and you know, so we do whatever you say and we'll have a good life and we just continue raising our kids like that and then it just goes on. And because we hadn't been allowed to question for so long, it just became a part of who we are. So now when we have women that are questioning and continue to question certain things going on in our world and attitudes and behaviors you know, people start, especially I feel like, and call me out, but I feel like a lot of like Christians or evangelical Christians, maybe fundies are like, whoa, that's not biblical. You shouldn't be doing Mm -hmm. that. And they're throwing up the hand and say, wait, you know, you shouldn't even be asking these questions. You shouldn't even be questioning this. And, you know, that's not scriptural and all that kind of stuff. So you're looked at, if you question that and you're in a church, you're suddenly a liberal. Yeah. So your, your, your point isn't even, you know, considered at that point. So I feel like we really up until like the late 1800s and then through up until the sixties, fifties, sixties, seventies, women really were on the low end of, you know, life essentially. Not, I mean, not, you know, we had decades. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, that's my rant. There's there's a lot, there's a lot in there. Yeah. There is. Yeah. That's like the American chunk of it. Yes. Like world history. And that is true. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw it to Kevin in a second, but like, can we like unpack like was Jesus a feminist? And how do we see women mm. empowered in the Bible beyond Proverbs 31, right? Because <laughs> that's not even a real woman. It's a fictional story. Right. Or, or like a narrative. But uh, but yeah, Kevin, it sounded like you were about to say something. Um, you, 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 you asked the question, was uh, you, you said... Uh, getting into Jesus, whether Jesus was a feminist, and like I completely forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> um, Mind blown. Because first off, Jesus was so jot that down. Boom. But I hello right. Well, and and I want to circle back to to a couple things that Stacy said that tie in with uh, Darren what you were saying right there. Um, at first glance it looks like the Bible puts down women. At first glance, it looks like Proverbs 31 is about a godly woman. Uh, I just wrote a paper on this, and my opening line was that it's not about a godly woman, and saying that it is is a lazy reading of the text. 
And I know I just called hundreds, if not thousands, if not millions of pastors lazy. Oh, Proverbs 31. What is this? Is it, isn't it a whole agency or a it's, whole it's, like, company or something? It's a whole, there's a whole like movement behind it. You can buy um, a lot of stuff on Amazon. Yeah. With you it. can buy a lot of stuff on it. Yeah. But when, when we look at just the surface level of things, it seems like the Bible is saying that women are less than. And I think that that's a lazy reading. And I think it's easy to, and I'm not calling any, anybody here lazy. I'm saying that the, the pastors and the theologians who are supposed to do this work are lazy. Because it's easy to say, oh, well, of course, you know, Eve was taken from Adam's rib because she is at his side, not to be above him and not to be below him, but, but to be right next to him. And she was under his arm so that he could protect her like the man that he was like, okay, that's, that's like the English teacher, my 10th grade English teacher saying that the drapes were blue because the writer was depressed. No, the drapes were blue because the writer liked blue. That's it. That, like, <laughs> yep. it's that simple. Um, but we see, we see Deborah, the the judge who like led the people in victory, led the Israelite people in victory. We see Miriam, Moses's sister, who was a prophetess in her own right. We see uh, even Eve herself, who like spoke to God, like God directed themselves to Eve first, not to Adam not to the snake, to Eve. God looked at her and said, what happened? What happened here? Tell, tell me the story. Um, we, we, we see throughout the Bible, even up to and including Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, uh, the three women who went to Jesus's grave and found that he wasn't there and ran back to the disciples and were the very first ones to preach the gospel saying, he is risen. He is risen. You need to go look because he is risen. Like that's the gospel right there. We see pastors in the, in the new Testament where Paul is writing to women who are pastors, who are leading churches, who are sponsoring missionaries, who are saying, Hey, as the leader of my family, I choose to give money to this church. And I choose to give money to this missionary. And over and over and over again, we see that in reality, God is a feminist. But we have such a negative connotation, Stacey, like you said, of that word. Mm -hmm. That it's not quite a cuss word, but it's almost as bad as saying fuck from the pulpit. And people, I promise you, get more upset over the pastor who says fuck then over the fact that we're still fighting about whether or not women have the right, have the, it's just the right, it's the honor, it's the privilege of preaching the gospel. And we're like, oh, well, no, those three women, it's because God had nobody else. No, God had 12 other disciples. God had 12 other men that, that could have gone and they chose to stay hidden. And it was the women who went. Mm -hmm. And out of the entire nation of Israel, God could have chosen somebody other than Deborah but decided that she was the best one suited for the job. God could have decided that Joseph was going to miraculously give birth to Jesus, but instead chose Mary. And like, 
we simultaneously think that God can do literally anything in the universe, created the universe from nothing, and can do all these big giant things, things beyond our imagination, but yet somehow chooses only to work with men, chooses only to work with half of the thing that was created. So like we simultaneously put God in a box while we say that God is giant and huge and this and that and the other. And again, it's bad theology. It's lazy. And it upholds the patriarchy. And I'm saying that mm-hmm. as, a, as a Latino man who grew up in uh, just surrounded by toxic masculinity, not from my own father, thank God, but from so many different avenues around us. And that's my soapbox. And I'm getting off now. You know, it just makes me want to say, if Joseph had given birth to Jesus, then in 2021, health healthcare and specifically birth control would be free and available in every corner. Yep. I think I think I think you give way too much credit to uh, fundamentalists and conservative <laughs> Christians because they would come back and say, well, God chose Joseph specifically. All oh, right. Now we get was, context yes. and, and nuance. It was, it was because <laughs> Joseph himself was from the bloodline exactly. of David. Yep. And, all of a, and all of a sudden it's, we're, we're doing deep word dives and just, yeah. Okay. I'm getting on stuff. You, uh, go ahead, Sarah. I was just asking, like, I, I feel like a root, like just what I'm sensing is that somehow like when, when feminism is acknowledged or when women are empowered, that that somehow takes away from a man's masculinity. Talk about that. Open that that up. Yeah. I think, I think it's time to open that piece up because it seems as though like one cannot exist without the other or that feminism cancels out a man's masculinity. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, I think, I, I think a lot of times our power constructs are based on the idea that, that there is a limit, like, okay, someone has to be in charge. Someone has to be at the top. And yes, if you're in a, in this scarcity mindset, then of course, if you share your power, then somehow your power has to be dis- diminished. But real talk if we if we look at power building especially like through my grassroots organizer lands the more people who have power the more power you have yeah you know it's it's like assuming that if i light your candle then my candle's not going to shine as brightly no like we can both be warm and if we get enough going we can burn this place down (laughs) (laughs) darren would you like my candle Yes, that's a song. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna start singing "Rent" now. <laughs> oh, I was gonna, I was gonna break that into this little light of mine. <laughs> no. Oh, that's no, funny. I prefer uh, the Rent song. Yeah, let's go with Rent. Right I, now. I do too. I do too. <laughs> we should, we should circle back. Uh, let's talk about what is toxic masculinity. What is masculinity, mm-hmm. and then what is toxic masculinity? Because that's you know the thing that people keep saying is is being threatened by feminism, that it's being threatened by progressivism and all these new ways of people being in the world. And I wonder if it's just fragile and afraid instead mm-hmm. of actually being threatened. Ding, 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 ding. Mm-hmm. 
masculinity is guns and a flag on your big ass truck and you know driving with a loud muffler and masculinity or toxic masculinity (laughs) no that's masculinity Uh, right no it depends on who you ask right because that's what i'm saying you know if it plays on the stereotypes like i'm curious like Mm -hmm. you know because being a mother of sons like i'm very conscious of like the stereotypes like i feel i feel like you know the idea of toxic masculinity is not just toxic to females but it's 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 just toxic to everybody toxic to men to have to hold these stereotypes that you know men are not allowed to cry men have to be tough all the time yeah. So don't say that lie. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I I cried a lot. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think so often we get into this this presumption that masculinity or, or that many of our social constructs, dun dun dun, he said construct. Many of the the social things that we've built and we've come accustomed to, we don't realize that they aren't static, they aren't the same through time. Mm-hmm. You know, everything from high heels. Um, wearing the color pink, um, uh, wigs, all these things at one point were signs of masculinity. Yeah. These were these were signs of affluence and being an empowered and in charge man. Um, but then, you know, we just decided to change. Uh, as, as I was listening to someone on TikTok, we've just been making this thing up for quite some time. <laughs> um, yep, yep. And, and, you know, then... The well, it's just natural for a man to be this or a man to be that. It's like nope. in nature, nope. men are the like the pretty, like flashy ones, the the flamboyant ones. <laughs> I, I always like whenever somebody tells me that that men are supposed to be the hunter gatherers. I'm like, have you ever seen a lion? Like, right. m- like the male lion sits at home and doesn't do anything and gets yeah. beat up by the female lions on a regular basis. Yep. And they're the ones who go out and and get them food for like the whole pride. There, there's there's this backwards thinking. We've we've put up this idol of what people know as masculinity, but that's why I was saying it earlier. Is it masculinity or is it toxic masculinity? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the difference between the two is does it have the potential to hurt somebody? Mm. Or Kind of at the same time, does it have the potential to uh, to deny somebody an experience? And so I'll give an example, like with crying, right? I mean, I grew up with, again, like thank God for my parents, who as for as conservative as they are, my dad would encourage me to cry, right? Um, but you you grow up hearing as a boy you grow up hearing that that men aren't supposed to cry and that that real boys uh don't whine and that real boys this and real boys that and real boys don't wear uh pink or play with dolls or whatever and uh my my son when he turned two just a few months ago he wanted a baby doll for his birthday so guess what he got a baby doll because that's what he wanted and we encourage our boys to cry. We have three boys, uh, five, three, and two, and we encourage them to cry. We encourage them to feel, and I've I've written about this in my blog, we encourage them to feel those big feelings is what we call them. 
where sometimes they want to cry, sometimes they want to scream, sometimes they want to they want to hit things. And I mean, you you rein them back because no, you five year old, you cannot be wailing on your two year old brother. But if you want to cry and scream, I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to carry you down to your to your bedroom and I'm going to uh, wrap you up in your blanket and I'm going to hold you and I'm going to tell you, hey, bud, it's okay for you to cry. It's okay for you to be upset. It's okay for you to be frustrated. It's not okay for you to hurt people. And that's the difference between masculinity and toxic masculinity is my right to not use a muffler and my identity being wrapped up in, in the fact that I've got to have the $50,000 working man's truck with a, with an American flag on the back that, that, uh, I'm going to drive around while my wife is, is driving a 14 year old sedan trying to stuff our four kids into the back. Is that going to hurt somebody? Yeah, probably. It's going to hurt her. It's going to hurt my kids. Is it bad to want to drive a a jacked up truck? No. Is it bad to drive around without a muffler? No. Is it bad to put an American flag on the back of your truck? No. Is it bad to use any of that to say that you're better than somebody else? Absolutely. And that's where we get that breakdown. And I think because masculinity and toxic masculinity have been so like wrapped up and intertwined as the same thing is why people can't separate feminism and toxic feminism. It's, it's why people can't separate the, Hey, we just want to be paid the same from no, I hate men and want them all to die, which are both positions, but they're not (laughs) the same thing. Although if Jesus wanted to go ahead and just take men out at this point and we just try the whole Wonder Woman thing, <laughs> I would totally be on board. Jesus take the wheel and let's just let's just shut this down. Jesus Amen. take the wheel. I'm gonna grab my guitar. <laughs> We're gonna go into a time of worship. <laughs> yes. Have your way, God. Revive yes. us. It's so interesting to me because I look at countries, like I look at our country, the US who we finally, for the first time ever in the history of our country's life, has a female leader in government. Not at the head, of course. You know, we're not ready for that just yet. Gotta get there. But, yeah. But I look at other countries who, you know, America is deemed like the most powerful country in in the world. But yet we see these other countries that have female leaders and they mm-hmm. are thriving. Thriving. Yeah. So it's like, that. we can have periods and still function and we're not right. Like, yeah. Wow. The whole country because of, of one week out of the month. Yeah. You said the P word. We're too emotional. We might cry or, you know, get upset if somebody says something to us the wrong way. And after the last uh, president we had in office, I don't think men can ever accuse women of being too emotional to lead the country. No, well, well, what happened is that you're taking his words out of context. You see, when we look at the context and we look at the original language in the Hebrew and Aramaic. <laughs> oh, wait, those are those are two different discussions. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting off. Same, well, same excuses, just a different discussion. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> It's, yeah, there's one it's, there's one script and that's it. 
one script, one set of default answers for basically yeah. everything. But yeah. Fake I, news. <laughs> but that's, you know, that, I, you know, just to, to connect that to the bigger point, it, it, that was a giant demonstration of fragile, aka toxic masculinity. Cause that's mm-hmm. the thing. It's like, I need to prove myself over and over and over. And part of, Part of that fragility is I'm going to d- demean and denounce and belittle everyone who makes me feel threatened. Yep. It doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter how you've given your life for me, Giuliani. Oops. It doesn't matter how much you've sacrificed for me. You are somehow threatening me and therefore I'm going to just cut you down to nothing and your family and your children and all those kind of things. And that's the, that's the part of, that's, that's why I was, I'm trying to help people make the connection that um, these oppressive systems aren't simply about hating the oppressors because the oppressors are also harmed in these systems. Mm-hmm. Yep. So men who are clinging to whatever they value as toxic in their masculinity are being harmed like everything from shorter lifespans to mm. to not having mental health access to the ways that they physically kill each other because they don't have any tools or any development in how to handle their emotions and how to be present with their own work that they need to do on themselves instead they're relying on women they're dependent on on other people to do this emotional labor or they, you know, take it out in some other unrelated thing. Um, I was a couple years ago, I was hearing about um, in the South where we have some of the highest, some of the highest uh, depression, some of the highest suicide rates, some of the highest uh, um, drug and alcohol and gambling um, abusive patterns are also the places that hold these super high, quote unquote, Christian ideals and these very high ideals of what masculinity is. Being the provider, being the breadwinner, being, quote unquote, strong, being stoic, these kind of ideals. And um, the assertion was uh, that because of um, because of the ways that men have been promised that if you live into this very narrow definition of masculinity, that you'll be the breadwinner, that people will look up to you, that you will be esteemed, that women will take up and pick up all your dirty laundry and also your dirty um, emotional baggage, that you'll get the things that we're promising you. But then, you know, the world changes, capitalists keep on capitalizing, um, economies shut down, entire cities are out of jobs. All these things happen and the system blames somebody below them. So it's either your wife's fault or it's your or it's those it's those immigrants' fault or it's you know somebody's fault other than yours. And it leaves people literally desolate. It leaves men literally thinking there's no hope. And so they turn to these other means and and eventually die from hopelessness. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's this thing where if we don't make a more expansive, a more inclusive, a more hope-filled view of what it means to to be a man, what it means to be in relationship to women, um, then it literally kills us in so many words. Like these ideals in this country that doesn't care about any of us in so many in so many words, it just cares about profit and the gross national 
product, we'll all die. (laughs) And so it's just one of those things. It's just like, no, this isn't about hating men. It's not because all men are trash, even though men are really trashy, in my personal opinion. Um, As a man, I'm speaking. I wouldn't date a man. You said what, Kevin? I said I wouldn't date a man. (laughs) (laughs) I I would, and I still don't like him. But um, yeah, it's just one of those things where we all have room to be free. You know, mm-hmm. we all have room to 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 be better. And I, I was talking to my friend Carrie, who was telling me about um, early civilizations that didn't have this hierarchy that kind of informed so much of our imbalances of power. And they were able to do amazing, huge things without the, the gender discrepancies without mm. the abuse and capitalizing on people on on people at the bottom to to make wealth for people at the top. And I'm like, how how do we get back there? Do does Jesus have to go ahead and shut this down first? Or can can we at least yes. move in that direction? Like something's got to change. Well, I always like uh bringing up Vikings because they like they are Vikings are looked at, I think, as the like epitome of maleness and like Vikings were the men's men and they, uh, they pillaged and, and robbed and raped and set things on fire and, but women were also fighting alongside the men and women owned property. And like, they had the most equitable society out of, a lot of different, uh, they're not ancient, I guess, but a, a lot of different old societies. I, there's a word for it. I can't remember. Uh, antique societies, I think is what it is. Um, and they had things figured out at least to a degree. But again, it goes back to this this whole power dynamic that we think that things should look this way. We think that things should look that way. We have read the Bible um, because like it or not, the Bible permeates and, and people's interpretations of the Bible permeates every aspect of Western culture. Uh, thank you, Renaissance. And unfortunately, whether purposefully or not, it's been interpreted in really lazy ways. And it's been interpreted, that's what I was saying earlier, right? It's been interpreted in ways that we uh, we use it to hurt and abuse other people. Um, and I hate that as, as a pastor, I hate that because it makes my job so much harder when I not only have to convince somebody that, that there's a God and that God loves you, but also that, Oh, by the way, this, the, 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 the talk, the way that people talk about God is wrong. (laughs) The things that people say about God is wrong. Like God doesn't care what you wear. God doesn't care how you talk. God doesn't care. Like, anything about anything else other than you know what jesus said love god love others as yourself um and so i think i think just to kind of start bringing it back like that's what it really ends up being about is are we treating the people around us correctly not just are we treating them with kindness but are we treating them correctly are we treating our our sisters the right way are we treating the men in our lives the right way? Because it all it, it's all tied together, I think. Somebody, somebody stop me if I'm incorrect. But it all ties together. 
And the fact that we can't figure out that, Darren, like you were saying, the way that we think about masculinity and feminism hurts people. The way that that we think about what a man ought to be hurts people and literally kills people. The way that that the uh, how we think about feminism and what a woman's place ought to be hurts people and kills people. Like in any in a business, we would be we would have already scrapped the whole damn thing and started from the ground up. If this were a corporate, if this were Amazon, they would have already not just cut the the product line. They would have also fired the senior vice president in charge of it and the guy under him and the guy under him and everybody all the way down the line and said, nope, that was a screwed up concept and we're going to just start all over. But we're going to sit here instead and say, oh, no, well, I mean, he means well when he says when Uncle Bob says that women don't deserve a good job. He he means he doesn't know what he's saying. No, get get Uncle Bob out of here. Throw him out out the back of the assembly line because he doesn't deserve to be at the table. You've just accused Amazon of having all male leadership. <laughs> uh, I dare you to prove me wrong. <laughs> I would love for it to be wrong. I have no idea. I, 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 I'm Actually, sure I don't either. Please don't come after me. Right. <laughs> None of your packages are going to arrive. No. <laughs> Jokes um, on them because I don't order from Amazon anyway. Yes, down down with the abuse of, of corporate oh, profit okay. and greed. Um I I'm dropping a link into the chat, which will be in the show notes. Um the the statistic I came I was quoting, uh, I just looked it up. Uh Dr. Cheryl Anderson is a professor at Garrett uh Theological Institute. Um, here in Illinois, and she presents this really beautiful um, keynote at the Reformation Project. And what she was she was talking about is why Me Too matters, why LGBTQ inclusion matters. And she was looking at this narrative that was kind of presented at one point. Uh, Stacy was talking about how certain things were in the fifties, and how we had the picture of the of the the dad, the mom, the 2.5 kids, the nuclear family presentation, um, and how that image that most of us, you know, even me naming that, we can the picture kind of comes to mind, right? The family's white, the uh, styling leave it to is beaver. That, <laughs> right, you know, it, it's leave the beaver, Wandavision episodes one, season one. <laughs> you know, it's the it's the ways that family, normal, masculine, feminine were presented, but it, it cuts out so many people. And when we use this intersectional lens, we see how we're all suffering from it. So she does this really great job of, of kind of just dissecting that. And she's the one who, who pointed out to me those, those mythical norms and the mortality gap that comes from mm. the disappointment of not living into these false expectations, not living into... Um, who we're supposed to be as men and women um, and and people who are in a gendered society. Um, I'm wondering, uh, Sarah, when when you look when you look at um, at your experiences both as a woman and as a woman of color, are there are there things that get nuanced for you? 
um, as you just kind of have to navigate society with this double set of standards put on you. I think that, I mean, definitely because I, and Kevin mentioned some of this, but you know, there are definitely many issues within the Latino Latinx, however, um, you know, all embracing Hispanic, different terms, um, and just speaking generally, because it can get nuanced when you're talking different regions. But in general, like the idea of, you know, machismo, like that is a thing. And it is very, you know, driven that the man is the head of the household, um, that, you know, what, you know, Papi says goes and, you know, for me, for me, I had that influence in seeing like my grandparents and aunt and uncles. Um, and I wouldn't say that it was necessarily, well, there, there was a lot of toxicity, but there was also just like very covert things and, and just stereotypical, you know, again, the man is, man is in control. Um, but then I also have, you know, some very strong deities who were not going to take your shit, <laughs> you know? So you do see um, the whole stereotype of like the strong, loud Latina female that um, kind of comes strong into titties. I love it. You know, my, my titties ain't taking no shit. <laughs> that's for, for all our uh, non-Latinx listeners, that's her aunts yeah. for the record. Just want to throw that one out there. And in some countries, it's Thea. Puerto Rico yeah. likes to shorten things, and we just say Titi. <laughs> I just so, wanted to clear things up. Yeah, yes, too. And but you know where it gets really like tricky for me is that you know I was raised by a single mother. My parents were never married. My parents were young, so I was raised by you know young. My parents were sixteen when they had me. Um, never together, like never, I've never seen my fam, my parents together. Um, so, you know, I'm the typical broken home, um, the stereotype. Of yeah. The broken. typical broken <laughs> home stereotype. Yeah. Um, and the, just the complexities of the family and how, you know, in some ways my mother was the head of the household, but then I also saw influences of how, um, you know, my, other men that were around how that interaction came. So yeah, I feel like for, for me, it was very confusing because a lot of my, I think what I took to is what the church taught about being a woman. Um, I grew up in the church and so it was, you know, all the books as I was getting married, like all of the books that are for women that consequently about marriage, they're doesn't seem like there's lots to correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like there's more books on marriage for women than there are for men. Um, or at least you're right for women. Um, I did, I saw a post, I didn't fact check it, but I did see a post about that. And really, it, it did really make me think because, um, yeah, a lot of, 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 of who I was, I almost had this like inner conflict. So I had this like strong Latina female that influenced from my titis, but then that aspect of me that was good, like Stacy mentioned that good Christian woman. So it was like that constant conflict for me. Um, but I also stand as now like a divorced woman and a single mother who is the head of my household, who may not get married again, who has very, you know, crazy probably to some ideas of what relationships could possibly look like. I don't necessarily believe in dating to get married. And again, it all gets nuanced when you're, when you've been divorced, 
because, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, the whole, it it really shakes up the whole idea of a woman's role and and an identity as a woman. When you're a single mother with children, divorced, and on the other side, and now you're like, well, now who am I supposed to be? And so that's when, for me, the awakening and the discovery really came to be of me um, taking in and embracing, like, who I wanted to be as a, as a woman, as the, the identity that I wanted to brace, the things that I wanted to do, the things that I felt, am I just believing this because this is what's been taught to me? Or do I really believe this to be true about, you know, being a woman, um, not feeling ashamed to have opinions and to speak up and to be loud and to take up space. Yes. Take up all the space. It's, um, it's been a journey I say, and it, it really, Yeah. It really has been a journey. I I really can't. um, You mentioned, you know, before about being a woman of color. And I I pause at that just specifically because I'm white passing. And so I I don't think that my experience can not speak to, you know, an Afro-Latina because it's there's there's going to be a difference there for sure, because I have privilege. Um, I'm more accepted because of my skin color. So I definitely think there are some differences there. That's what's up. I'm wondering, Stacy, um, as as you shared that you came from kind of the heart of the ways that American Western Christian evangelical society um, builds these tiny little boxes for women and and paints them pink and puts glitter and and rhinestones on it and and asks you to be modest and humble Mm -hmm. and a good Christian woman who is going to be the perfect Christian wife. What do you want to see for your kids growing up post Mm -hmm. that life? It's easy for me now because we're no longer a part of the church world. Um, We, my kids, they were only exposed to church life for the first, mm, I guess, probably five years. Um, My older one, a little bit longer than that, but she wasn't really, I mean, old enough to you know, understand a lot of the stuff then. So I would, I I feel like a sense of relief in a sense that they haven't had those, um, what would I say, values or um, ideas put on them so much. And they have we have given them the ability to express themselves however they want, however they feel. Um, so I feel hopeful for them as they grow up, as they become teenagers soon and adults in this world, that they will feel the freedom to speak however they want, to dress however they want, to to fill roles of whatever they want. Um, and hopefully with confidence, they'll have that as well. And they won't have other people telling them otherwise. Yeah. I don't know. Did I explain that well? Cause I feel yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel, uh, and I could, I could talk more on the whole gender thing too, but I don't want to get into that 
a whole lot as far as like gender expression. Um, Mm. But just the whole, like, and I think I mentioned this in an episode about my own self that I was considered a tomboy Mm -hmm. as a kid and always rough and tumble and like playing sports. I should not have been playing, not because I was a girl, but because I was a terrible athlete (laughs) and was getting hurt all the time by basketballs and baseballs and baseball bats. And um, so, you know, (laughs) things I shouldn't have been doing just because I don't have that kind of ability, but, you know, and I was always pressing, you know, against that box that I was put in. And, um, and I still feel now that I am doing that in many ways. I feel that tension, of um, still people trying to put me in a box and, you know, I'm too loud and, or I'm just too different. I'm too much, you know? And I think women are looked down upon quickly if we're too much or too loud because we're expected to be quiet and meek, which means you know, we should be talking like this all the time. And we, you know, if we have a question or if we want to push back, we need to go through the mail that's in charge of us. To, like I'm listening to Moody Radio. Sorry. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would prefer if this whole thing would have just been a handwritten note from you. So <laughs> Pass to me quietly right. in your Bible. Yeah. <laughs> in the Bible. Let me see if I can find it. No, but I just, you know, I feel hopeful for my kids and I feel hopeful for this new generation that's coming up and that feels emboldened to be who they are and not have to live in the confines of male and female. And those are, that's it. And that if you're male, you have to act and look this way. And if you're female, and I should say cis male and cis female, but if you, you know, if you are a female, you have to dress this way or, you know, you can't have any masculinity, you know, traits to you and vice versa. And I feel like it's great to see that this generation that's coming up after us is able to, you know, have that freedom. And you bring up something that, that I think there's one more fear that we haven't really named and talked about. And this might be our last few minutes, but are, are we looking for an end to gender? Mm. Is is the ideal that that gender goes away and that we just don't have a gendered society, or or what do you think? What do you feel about that? What do you think? Where do you think society is heading? That's interesting. And I feel, isn't there a country or some part of the world that doesn't? I feel like I read something recently about that, where they don't really have like the genders it's like they don't name the gender when the baby is born. I forget. I have to look at that, but I feel like I don't know if that's necessarily necessary for us to be a genderless society, because I do feel like 
there are people that do fall into a more feminine, like, uh, identity. And there are those that fall into more masculine identity. And I don't think we need to disregard those altogether. And I think it's fine if people, you know, our, our male or female or, you know, but I think we definitely need to include those that are in between or don't claim a gender, you know? So I feel like we need to be, I think the word is that we just need to be more inclusive and not so exclusive in putting people in boxes, essentially. Yeah, I, I strongly agree with that. I think I think fear makes us think that, again, just like equality presumes, sometimes sometimes we presume equality means losing power. Right. We, we presume that that expanding gender means gender goes away, but it's like, no, like, this is gender full. This mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. you know, this is more gender exists. Um, and it's not, it's not because they're all new, because again, if we, if we look at pre-colonial history, literally around the world, we know that there's so many ways that gender has been a part of history and expression and humanity that colonialism took away. Mm. You know, it's it's not that it was it was it's not that these these young people are taking away gender. They're just getting back to what's been for quite some time, historically right. speaking. But it's not it wasn't read that way in Western society. It was read as, oh, this is a witch doctor. Well, mm-hmm. those were typically people who were a third gender in whatever context that mm-hmm. was. The, you know, the, these are these people are witches. These people are blah blah blah. blah. Yeah, those were those were often people who fell outside of tradition of traditional Western colonial gender norms, and we documented it in Western terms, not the terms of the people. So, wow. so yeah, I'm I'm just looking mm-hmm. forward to the idea that we can we can create we can bring things that maybe didn't exist. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Megan DeFranza talks about how the in what we see in the Garden of Eden is not what we see in the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. We don't see God who restores all things and who, who fixes all things going back to the garden. Mm. We see this new kingdom descending on the earth that we have now that's unlike anything we've seen or imagined if you know if that's what your belief system is and so it's like why if we have languages that weren't in the garden if we have if you know it records every nation tribe and tongue will praise god if that's what we say what we believe why can't we believe that there'll be more genders why can't we believe that there'll you know be all these other things that that we keep calling divisive and mm. and against God's design. It's just like, what if God actually wanted us who are created to be creators to be creative? That's my personal little motto. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just feel like there's so much opportunity that if we let go of our fear, um, that we can we can be great and amazing and all kinds of stuff. We just got to stop being afraid of losing things. Mm-hmm liberation comes to mind when you were talking like like I think if we do let down our fears like to be able to just be 
and express however you you feel you want to. And even if it is within the male, female context, to be able to be a male mm-hmm. and define that however you want without being judged of, well, that's not manly. And, you know, you're being a B because, you know, X, Y, and Z, or to be a female and not feel like you have to, you know, well, I can't be too sexual or I can't be this or I can't, or if you, you know, when you're talking about your mother and like, if you want to, you know, dress however you want to dress and not, you know, be judged. I mean, there's liberation that comes in that to just Mm -hmm. be whole and, and not be confined to these boxes that we've defined gender that ultimately are, are limiting and they're harmful. And that's like, to me, like that space, like that world, like that's something I want to be a part of. That's what I want my kids to grow up. I want them to grow up with the freedom of being able to not be confined to boxes and stereotypes, but to be who it is that they are meant to be. And I think that like, that's amazing (laughs) when you get past the fear. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, the change is hard, but I'm just grateful for this conversation. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I've learned a lot, even in the context of just this conversation and just being able to be open and hearing other perspectives. And it's my hope that, you know, all of our listeners are able to expand or feel maybe validated, feel supported. Um, It's again, it's okay to question if things made you uncomfortable but it's our hope that, you know, these conversations will continue to happen um, as you feel led or in need to have these conversations for yourself. And until next time, I'm excited to dig deeper as we bring some guests on um, to continue the rest of this month. And until then, like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, give us five stars. And we'll see you next time. I was I was gonna try to make a joke about the tones, but <laughs> got nothing. It didn't it didn't land. It just it, yeah. the plane's still circling. It'll it'll get this up to. <laughs>